Not long ago, in a far-off corner of a place called the Internet, a revolution was born. Forged in the fires of common experience, the survivors of a mysterious movie known only as A Talking Cat came together. Their purpose, to dissect this fascinating failure of a film and broadcast their findings through the cosmos in hopes that future generations might learn from their mistakes. Some would call them heroes, others would call them mad, but despite the grueling road ahead of them, the group would take up the Sisyphean task and become a talking cast? Are they adventurous, or sinner as a savior's or? Are they demented, love the punishments, I can't be sure. But one thing I do know is that the mission needs to force to make it laugh so hard that you'll be pissing on your kitchen floor. Welcome to A Talking Cast, the A Talking Cat podcast that no one asked for. This is episode 45, covering minute 44. My name is Jason McIsaac, and with me is my good friend Bob Mann. Hi, Jason. How are you? And he's in my kitchen, and we're recording this in the middle of yet another Canadian blizzard. Why don't we get into uh, minute 44? Let's get into it. Let's do it. Or Susan's big opportunity arrives. <laughs> I mean, one thing that stands out for me is the opening shot looks terrifying. Yeah, something something dangerous and ominous is about to happen in this scene. Some, yeah. some someone is in someone is in mortal j- danger in this scene. It looks like it's shot from the perspective of a person being buried. Yes, uh, <laughs> you, see, you see the trees. You see the the bird in you know in anticipation of carrion. Yeah, uh, it's it's a terrifying establishing shot for what will lead into talks of clients and and cheese puffs. Yeah, it's right it's right up there with the final image of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it made me feel. And then and then as but as it turns out, interestingly enough, um, it is dire. It is it it. it you know, it, it ends up being more appropriate than one might think because the, the circumstances, it turns out, are are very dire for Susan and her little little trio that is her family. You come to find out. And what would you say is the 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 chief conflict in in scene uh, in minute forty four? Well, I guess this is the this is the thing that really jumped out for me, and I I felt that I had sort of won the uh, talking cat. Uh, Powerball lottery, uh, if you will, in in somehow drawing the minute that contains the scene that is the plot driver of the film, um, taking place interestingly enough forty five minutes into the movie, which I think makes it a Martin Scorsese film. I think it's a, where it's a very patient film. Yeah, where you have three three quarters of an hour of character development and establishing everyone, figuring out who everyone is. Uh, the cat makes a few rounds, and then you find out what this whole thing is about, which is that Susan gets a call from Winnie, um, letting her know that they would like her to come and provide breakfast and lunch at a big meeting with an investor. And I guess the sense is that depending on how the food goes, <laughs> the, the investor yeah. might, might just invest money. And if, if that gravy starts rolling downhill, then Susan will be on quote-unquote contract with this poorly organized, procrastinating, do-things-at-the-last-minute company that wants her to come in and, and do the food. Well, I love the thing that one of the things I love about this scene 
is Susan's very measured expectation. She says, if she gets this gig, um, they'll probably be moving to a bigger house. Right, of course. You know, uh, she sets her, her sights low. She doesn't get her kids <laughs> uh, super vested in this, you know, in this, this thing. Uh, no. She doesn't want to... Uh, doesn't want to uh, aim too high and, and then break their hearts. So she no. just, you know, if I get this, you know, if I get this job, we're probably going to move to a bigger house. Yeah. You know. To, to their credit, uh, they react as if she had presented it more realistically. So they, they disregard her words fully. And, yeah. and, you know, like Trent is just sort of like, hey, mom, that's cool. And Tina could not give less of a shit. So, it, 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 yeah, I mean, she's, and she's, she's clearly very excited about it. I don't know. I, I actually think it's risky for Susan to be hitching her star to a, a company that, as I said, is so poorly organized. You know, it, 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 it just, I don't, again, I don't know what the business climate is where they are, Beverly Hills, I guess. But, uh, right. right, the big investor, what do, what do you do? It's the day before the big investor is coming in. They're going to throw a bunch of promises and money around. You got to razzle them. Yep. You got to dazzle them. Let's call the the crazy lady who lives in the woods with her two <laughs> kids, who only has one stove and no catering infrastructure whatsoever. I mean, they got to clean out the car, to right. Let's call her and get her to to make the food. <laughs> Everything hinges on this. We got to go big. We got to pull out all the stops. I, I like to think. In either scenario um, that I'm about to propose, I um, it's awesome. The scenario one, they exhausted every option, and at the last minute called her. Or option she was, two, she was at the bottom of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Or option two, she's the only. Ch- like, she, it is Susan, or we are not even having the meeting. Yeah, like, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. she, she, yeah, she, but, but it is, it, uh, it, it it's kind of like, uh, a, a weird setup to an episode of Iron Chef or something, right? Like it, it's, it has, it has a, a reality show task kind of vibe to it where, where she, she's given this weird, it's the, it's the five obstructions of catering where she's, she's given this weird, this weird task to do, right? Right. Yeah. It's so strange. So bizarre, but good for her. She gives it, she gives it a go. Very, very, very proud. And I also like that this is a world where to Winnie Sims, pulling out all the stops means cheese puffs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like if if I want to wow my big client, I know exactly what I need to do. Although given how poor Susan is, uh, the budget is probably, right? I mean, those cheese puffs yeah. are made of uh, weak old lard and some yeah. starch puffed up with some uh, macaroni and cheese orange powder seasoning. I don't, I don't know how you make cheese puffs, so <laughs> Would, I'm, I'm... Wouldn't it be great if, like, the backstory was actually Winnie Sims and her husband Tom Sims heard <laughs> how hard done by Susan and the twins are oh. and just made up this whole meeting in a way to, like, bring some charity to Susan. Oh, like, that's the, that's oh, the, the saddest to, thing I've ever heard. Yeah. We have a big meeting, and we want to impress the clients, so we need... Your cheese puffs, <laughs> uh, and we'll pay you two hundred dollars. I, I like to think it's it's maybe that was a good conversation. It's probably it's probably it, it's probably five hundred bucks. And and it, it the thing that struck me about the contract thing too is that um, 
the, the way she describes it as though it's something extraordinary and I yeah. don't I couldn't immediately figure out how it made it any different than any other contracting job for caterers like it sort of stands to reason if you do a good job for someone they yeah. might give you more work so yeah. it uh, how this is any different than any of the other what kind of legal regime are they working in here where the you know your your <laughs> some jobs get yeah. you more jobs but but the other job the jobs we've done in the past haven't been anything like this i didn't give a shit about those jobs kids the other the other catering jet work that we've done over the years well i mean full disclosure and we can take this part out if you do, if you don't want to d disclose this but uh you're you're a lawyer yes yes um what would you advise to susan under these circumstances with with this kind of um thing being lauded over her that if she does a good job there's a chance that there might be a regular job and there might be a regular paycheck and, uh, you know, maybe moving to a bigger house. Is this... Yeah, no, if I was, if I was, uh, if I was w working on this script after the fact and someone came to me and said, I want you to look <laughs> at this and I want you to make, I want this to be realistic, right? I'm, yeah. I, I, I insert a few lines where um, uh, Eric Roberts <laughs> wanders into the room and he looks up at Susan and he says... Make sure you tell them to give it to you in print. That 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 would be <laughs> that would be my that would yeah. be my punch up, my legal punch up of the. <laughs> she just hangs up the phone and says, "Woohoo, yeah. we're in this." Yeah. You could. You, she. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. This here's a weird little twist. I had two weird little thoughts that popped into my head while I was doing it. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure she hung up the phone. I think she just put it down. <laughs> so the first time I saw this, I gave this scene way too much credit. I thought, okay, Winnie's still on the line. Susan's going to fly loose with some gossip about how Winnie and Tom are forbidden lovers, or she'll say something really disparaging like Tom's way too touchy-feely to be running a dentist business, or whatever it is that they do. And then, bang, we've got our wacky misunderstanding and all the dramatic tension that flows therein, right? It's, three's, right. it's an episode of Three's Company, like, come on, yeah. come on. That, that's what you've got that's what I thought that's what I thought I was very disappointed when it turns out no she yeah we just kind of physically glossed over that and I have, I have a lot of time for that because it's hard sometimes to mock things like hanging up smartphones but uh, the other thing I thought yeah. I actually wondered if this is sort of a weird future uh, alternate version of Hansel and Gretel where Susan is the the witch in the woods and the two kids are the, the slightly <laughs> grown-up teenager versions of the children that she lured in with her cheese puffs. There are so many things. She's a, she's a caterer, for heaven's sake. There's so many things here that, that make, this, uh, make this Hansel and Gretel on the nose. I won't get into it. We don't have the time for it. But I think we could do a really good treatment uh, of this being a dystopian Hansel and Gretel future. Well, actually, where things worked out, she decided not to eat them. She just kept them around. Or it could be Stockholm Syndrome. Like, it could be, you know, they can leave at any time. Yeah, but that's they right. But they refuse. That's right, exactly. I, I, I also like to imagine a scene that, that where, you know, it just cuts to Susan hanging up the phone. She doesn't get the recurring contract. And she's just like, but I got, but I cleaned out the car. I gave it well, a good clean out. Well, kids, we did everything we possibly could. But as it turns out, one single lady with no staff and just her two kids and one stove out in the middle of the woods with a, a Hyundai Rabbit to drive her stuff around in isn't enough to land the big contract. I don't know what we're going to do. You, you, you can't fight big cheese puffs. No. 
<laughs> you can't. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The big cheese puff empresario. Smash cut to the big cheese puff empresario with his arms folded, looking out the window of his office building, uh, Christian Grey style. And he's like, yeah, another one bites the dust. Amazing. Shop. Because <laughs> he's eating cheese puffs. He's constantly eating cheese puffs. Yeah. Now, because I have the power to see into the future, I know that in the following scene, um, there is some discussion of day for night, um, but it begins with this scene. Uh, <laughs> yes. What are your thoughts on this in- incredibly convincing um, night shoot? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah well, this is it. It's, it's the, it occurs to me that I think it's the only nighttime scene in the film. Am I, am I right about that? It's the only nighttime scene in the film. So it, it, the, the, the budget and cost associated with yeah. paying, paying the crew overtime to stick yeah. around the extra six hours or whatever. Probably and to bring in lighting. Yeah, that's right. That would have been prohibitive. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense that they would just paint. They, would, they shot this scene at high noon. People are <laughs> sweating their asses off. Uh, filming this, and the boom, the boom guy's got sweat dripping down his pits. He can't wait yeah. for lunch. They film this, and then they just paint it blue. The sun is clearly pouring in the back window behind Susan. Right? It's the weird. It's the weird. Well, kids, either that, or either that, or there should be a line where she says, "Well, kids, you know, budget." It's tight. Electricity's expensive. Guess I better shut off the floodlight in the backyard <laughs> that we use to keep the raccoons away. That would have that would have worked. That would have explained it. And I'm guessing, in in all seriousness, for a moment, that they did day for night to let the viewer know just how little time she has to pull off this miracle batch. That's right, and and it and it yeah. So it, it certainly adds to that adds to that tension. And and to the to the to the film's credit, she has a quick little snappy line where she says, "Well, I guess I'm gonna be up all night um, <laughs> cleaning the stove." You never you never get a sense of what else she makes other right. than cheese puffs. We don't we don't know what else gets cooked. I guess yeah. scrambled eggs or or whatever. Yeah. But she I, says she's doing a breakfast and a lunch. Yeah. But she's pretty laid back. I know enough about the catering world to know that this call at this time uh, <laughs> of this scale and this magnitude, that maybe there's 20 people. You don't know how many people there are. But this, this phone call is immediately followed by her committing suicide in, in the real world, right? Like it, it would be absolute mayhem of catastrophic proportions, in the real world. Like she, she would have put the phone down and immediately beheaded both of her children. It, just out of pure, pure adrenaline. Yeah, it would have it would have been it would have been nuts, right? She's so laid back, she's so excited. There's no there's no panic about it at all. Yeah. No nobody involved in this has worked in catering. No. Nobody. No, no, no. Not a single person. Yeah. This reminds me very much and of the Facts of Life episode where <laughs> Joe Everyone starts to love Joe's homemade pizza, and she just takes on way too many orders. Oh, and right. Eventually, the quality of the pizza, and her mother's face is on the box. Yeah. Uh, the quality of the pizza suffers. You know, it, it, it crumbles under the demand. Um, yeah. Of, you know, and I, I kind of see that, you know, this is probably the case, too, that Susan is probably spreading herself too thin, and that the food probably won't be super well-received. Yeah, um, but again, this is my alternate. I think I, I think cat. I think I think you're right on. There's a there's yeah. a there's an alternate reality front end, which is the one yeah. I just described. And then there's an alternate yeah. reality back end. I think both <laughs> of which are equally plausible. 
equally plausible. I've seen those episodes too in real life and on film, and I know, I know what happens. Any stray, any stray thoughts about it? I had a couple of little things that I noticed no, about the. By all means, no, no. Well, you, one, you, one uh... thing, one thing I picked up on right away. As soon as this scene starts, there's a very, very quick and choppy camera correction. It's the, it's. Just, they had, they had the whole thing lined up wrong. You know, this pivotal scene that's going to drive the plot for the rest of the film. Uh, you could almost hear the camera operator in the back go, oh, geez, we're not centered. Well, okay, just shift it. Boom. And the camera lurches to the right. <laughs> I mean, they, they, there couldn't have been that many takes. I think the whole thing is done Eddie Murphy style in one take. Uh, no, no second chances, no safeties, no nothing. Right. Uh, so if you get a camera jerk, you get a camera jerk and a talking cat assholes that's how that's how this yeah. works in in this little world yeah well i also think it's probably not too outlandish to assume that like say a christopher guest film you know of recent years this is just real-time improv oh yeah yeah I, I i think so i i think so i don't think they had a whole lot of i would i wouldn't be surprised if certain things got shifted midstream uh including creating a plot um i i <laughs> I would imagine they were probably a good six days into filming this thing when yeah. uh, the script for this scene got stuck in someone's hands and they said, all right, folks, listen, we now know where this is going. <laughs> so uh, memorize this over lunch and then we'll, yeah. shoot it. we'll shoot it at one in the afternoon. Oh, but it's going to be nighttime. So adjust your circadian rhythm accordingly so that it's convincing, <laughs> so that people believe it. Yeah. There's a, there's also a very strange sound in it uh, when when the when the action shifts to Susan grabbing Tina by the shoulders and looking her in the eye and saying Tina child look at me this is serious there's a strange shrieking noise it sounds almost like one of those stock audio pterodactyl uh, yeah. shrieks that you yeah. hear whenever yeah. there's a jungle sequ- scene or something like that and I don't know if that's thrown in there wild just so that you're reminded that they're out in the middle of the, the wilderness. They live in Yellowstone or wherever they live. It could be a callback to the bird of prey that you see in the establishing shot that she has finally found her meat. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what, like, that's how I feel. Like the, yeah. The, you, know, you see the rat. and it, it, it's, yeah, it's just to remind you that like, if you're not freaked out enough by yeah. everything you've seen, there was a bird circling the trees looking yeah. For food, and and it is it, it is true. It is also interesting that could be foreshadowing, and one could be forgiven for interpreting it as such because Tina's reaction is so bland. She and it, it's not just that she doesn't care. It, it, to add insult to injury, she was obviously listening. She couldn't care less, but she was obviously listening because she responds accordingly to Susan when Susan says Tina's oh yeah congratulations mom really really good uh who gives a shit but but, so she clearly she was listening she heard the words she just didn't care it's so callous given the magnitude of the situation she's lucky Susan didn't knock her halfway across the living room like she is staring death in the face but she's too caught up in her algorithms or whatever it is she's working at she's you know she's the the business prodigy so she's a business savant there's something to be said for the fact that you have this business prodigy, this uh, incredibly industrious, inventive uh, girl in the family, yeah. and is at no point volunteering any kind of strategy no. <laughs> or imparting any kind of millennial wisdom to, yeah. to uh, Susan. It's just like, you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only the income that will get her to college. 
<laughs> right? It's only the, right? If, I mean, the, when, when someone is really successful, whether it's yeah. uh, who, whether it's Kanye West or, um, you know, you, you, you know of all these different, I don't know why I picked Kanye West, but um, the, you, you often hear these stories of like, listen, we grew up, it was really, really, uh, it, was, it was really, it was very humble upbringing, but my mom, my single mom gave me the yeah. best that, that she could have. Yeah, she, absolutely. All the money went, maybe, you sort of picture this moment maybe after Tina graduates or once she's become a successful uh, mogul of her saying, yeah, you know, I'd probably be more successful except my shithead mom just bugged the hell out of me while I was growing up and, <laughs> and made me do things like get up off the couch and make things so that we could have an income as a family. And it was a real yeah. pain in the ass. But boy, am I ever glad to be out of that Stygian nightmare now, this horrible hellhole of an upbringing. Uh, somehow I escaped it, clawed my way up from the streets of the, the wooded woodland areas of Beverly Hills, and now I'm the success I am, in spite of my mother's idiocy. That's, yeah. what, you, that's what you picture. That's what you picture. Just remarkable. Exactly that. <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm, I'm all out of... Um, observations and uh and and uh astute commentary no i can't i can't imagine what else we would say the i mean the only thing i would i would add just as a sort of closer is yeah. I, I grew up as a kid watching a show called littlest hobo about a dog who went around helping people not unlike what duffy the cat does except littlest hobo didn't talk to anyone littlest, no. hobo, littlest hobo just had to use his uh, skills as a non-talking dog yeah. to to help other people, and these were people who were actually in trouble. Uh, not deeds, people. not words. That 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 yeah, was Lewis Hobo's deeds, not words. That that that's right. Yeah. I I yeah. challenge someone to create uh, an edit of a talking cat that removes Eric Roberts completely. Uh, it would be called the Littlest Hobo cut of uh, a talking cat question mark uh, that's what the kids that's what the kids in the street are calling it now by the way yeah there's no intonation they're just saying a talking cat question mark it's the cool way of of referring to the movie so that's what i want i i want i want a version of it that does it's like garfield minus garfield i want that for a talking cat i think it would be a far far more uh hilarious and uh, perplexing and even disturbing are you suggesting eliminate uh, Duffy altogether, or just the the moving mouth? Just the moving mouth and Eric yeah. Roberts' voice. So you've got right, right, you've right, got still right. just as much Duffy. It will be a, an amazing expose into some of the uh, some of the challenges we face dealing with each other as humans, and indeed even why we're here. Uh, I think it would I think it would be a fascinating little study. That's my th those are my parting those are my parting right. thoughts. Well, so someone get on that. Someone yeah. someone get working on that, please. Yeah, I'm off to feed my. Real cats. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I can help you if you want. That'd be great. <laughs> I'll probably just stand and watch because I don't think it's a two-man job. Thank you, Jason, for hosting. This was, a, oh, this was delightful. Bob, it's any, any reason to hang out with you uh, is a good one. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Very good. Okay, bud. Okay, bud. Take care. Want more A Talking Cast? Check us out on SoundCloud at a-talking-cast, on Twitter at A Talking Cast, and on Facebook slash A Talking Cast. You can also find us on Stitcher slash podcast slash A Talking Cast. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Bye. 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 Minute by minute.
That's what they'll be diving in to shed some clarity on this hilariously failed attempt. So grab a friend and crack a beer with them and listen in. The talking cast is about to begin. It's a talking that was episode 45 of a talking cast. Your host was Jason McIsaac with guest Bob Mann. Edited by Darren Husted. Music by Casey Trimble. Voiceover by John Kowaleski. Artwork by Josh Hollis. Executive producers Sarah Cantor and Darren Husted. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with Rapid Heart Productions. A talking cat is owned by Rapid Heart Productions. No infringement is intended. We all miss you, Linda Ahers.